Welcome to Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. This week's show, we've got a few important uh, Kentucky political stories from the legislature, a voting rights update, and we have a great interview lined up with Representative Lisa Wilner from Louisville, who will be joined by my daughter, Dr. Jennifer Price. Then we'll close with an important call to action. But first, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? We know that our state is deeply red with supermajorities in both the Senate, State Senate, and the State House of Representatives. The General Assembly is primarily focused on cutting taxes for the rich, cutting social services for the poor, and defunding public education, along with diverting public education dollars to private and perhaps Christian schools. If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, Join Progress Kentucky and support our campaign to turn our Commonwealth purple. You can make a donation at our Secure at Blue website and spread the word that we're tired of the GOP ignoring the needs of the regular folks in Kentucky and that we think our Commonwealth is worth fighting for. Now it's time to check in with our co-hosts. Let us all know who and where you are and what does your protest sign today. Oh, and you there on the internet, we mean you too. We want to read what your sign says. Put it in the chat while we're sharing ours. I'm Doug Price, sitting in tonight in place of our fabulous host, Aaron Biles and Kimberly Cecil Jones. I'm a proud Harrison County, Kentucky resident, and I'm wearing my sign, Protect Trans Kids. Nima, what about you? Hey, Doug. Hey, everybody. So it's Nima. I'm here in the lovely Kenwood area of uh, Lexington. And uh, my protest sign today, which Doug, I, you stole my thunder on that. But and I'll forgive you. But um, my prote protest sign today says good policy is never punitive. And I think that we're seeing a lot of bad, bad policy in Kentucky right now. And that's what mine says. There is absolutely no question about that. It's uh, seemingly, it's the GOP highway, and uh, you can't get on the highway, just get out of the way and let them drive 100 miles an hour legislation, introducing legislation um, right and left that is very, uh, very right, I, I would guess, in a wrong way. But... Um, that's why we're here. That's why we fight. That's why we continue to fight. Absolutely. It's just exhausting, you know, Doug. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to talk to, um, you know, to Representative Wilner about this. Um, you know, uh, I don't know how, how anybody with any kind of um, compassion or human decency can sit uh, in Frankfurt right now on a daily basis and watch what's happening uh, to this state. And it's not just to marginalized uh, folks, Doug. And I think that that would lead me into our discussion about Eastern Kentucky, the, the flooding in Eastern Kentucky that happened back in the fall. You know, what we're seeing out of Eastern Kentucky, and just for people's purposes to know this, uh, I'm from Eastern Kentucky. I'm from Whitesburg, Letcher County, which was one of the counties that was hit really hard by the flood. And um, so obviously I still have friends from back home and, um, 
and to have watched their reaction to the weather that we got uh, earlier this week, um, where they flooded again, basically, not to the extreme extent, but they're asking the questions that I think a lot of us regular Kentuckians are asking, which is where the hell is Frankfurt? You know, uh, Frankfurt has, you know, it's pretty clear that the only thing that's going to help Eastern Kentucky right now is uh, they're in a serious uh, housing crisis situation and have been for a while, Doug. This is nothing new. You know, this is nothing new. Affordable housing is a problem in Kentucky and has been. It's a huge problem in Eastern Kentucky and has been. Uh, the, the hardcore truth, Doug, is that People are finding out in Letcher County and in the Cole counties that the higher land is not theirs. It's not. Uh, it's owned by uh, hedge fund uh, managers and whoever else in, in nowhere near Kentucky. And so what they're seeing now is, is that land that they thought was theirs, the mountains that they thought were theirs are not theirs. And it's I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, but this is the reality. The reality in eastern Kentucky has been that the mineral is worth more than the miner. The coal is worth more than the people. So this has never been a surprise uh, for people who grew up in eastern Kentucky. Uh, people are an afterthought there. And what we're seeing now is a direct result from that mentality. And obviously people are leaving Eastern Kentucky in droves. I mean, they've got huge, I think my County alone had a 13% drop in population over the last 10 year period between censuses. So that's a huge number, especially when we're talking about small communities. So my thing is this, Doug, and I'm throwing this out there to every elected in Frankfurt. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're part of the loom party. I don't care who you are. What are you going to do for Eastern Kentucky? And what are you going to do for them today? Because uh, that this cannot wait. This, this is not something that can wait. And I've got to say this. What I would tell every uh, Kentuckian right now is you need to email Jacob Justice. He is the new representative that represents Harlan, Letcher, and parts of Pike County. He beat Angie Hatton one of the strongest voices for Eastern Kentucky in the state. What is Jacob Justice doing right now? What is he doing? That is his new area. He wanted that seat. He needs to earn it. And I'm going to tell you, Fugit, Brandon Smith, and listen, Brandon Smith has said he's had a change of heart. Well, Doug, I'm going to tell you, I wonder if that change of heart is because Brandon Smith made a ton of money, a ton of money over coal does brandon smith feel a little bit responsible well, so he should and you before mentioned name was blaming coal no 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 let's not no let's not get this twisted nema is blaming coal barons nema is blaming frankfurt for not holding them accountable to cleaning up their mess whenever rogue mining companies come in there and destroy the land and don't do shit to clean it up there's a lot of bloody hands on this, Doug. And I'm going to tell you, they need to get their heads out right now and do something for Eastern Kentucky. Because if not, there won't be an Eastern Kentucky. And maybe that's the point, Doug. 
Maybe that's the point. But well, the, bad, the bad thing about it, it's um, uh, the Republicans support corporations because corporations give them money to be reelected. Um, I was just reading something today, and I'm going to read from this report. According to FEMA, just, just to give everybody an idea, uh, if you haven't been there like NEMA has, you really don't know what it's like. My wife and I went up there several years ago, and this was just minor flooding, and we helped out with a church group to try to clean some, clean some houses out. But this is so much worse. FEMA said that uh, the flooding caused some level of damage to over 8,900 homes in 13 counties. 542 of those homes were destroyed. 4,500 had major damage. 1,200 received substantial damage. Nearly 22,000 people lived in houses damaged in the flooding. And this is not something that can be fixed overnight, but we need every legislator from every county in all parties working together to try to to help the situation. Um, it's just... Well, and it, they want credit, Doug. Let's just be honest. You know, and I don't care who gets credit. We have people who are living in tents. And I, I don't think people understand this. Uh, a lot of the times these folks are choosing to live in tents because they're afraid that they're going to get looted, like their own their own stuff, right? So that's the only thing they have is this land. That's it, right? And so it's easy for people to say, well, you should just move or you should do this or you should do that. But that's not the solution here. The solution is to actually do something for one time that doesn't get you any political points or any slaps on the back. Do the right thing. And it's just not happening. And, you know, it happens all the time. When Eastern Kentucky needs Kentucky, Kentucky disappears. And we've got to do better. We've got to do better. These are Kentuckians, y'all. And, and who, who is the president of the Senate? He well, you know, he's from Manchester. Well, isn't that in eastern Kentucky? Well, but let's just be honest. How long has it been since Robert Stivers has actually lived in Manchester seven days a week, 365 <laughs> days out of the year? Yeah. And I'm not trying to be ugly, but you know, his wife is from Whitesburg, Doug. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what's going on, but you know, the, the bottom line is is that this won't hold. They don't even have enough property. Each county doesn't even have enough property out of a flood zone to even have put a lot of these FEMA trailer parks on. Like, let that sink in. They couldn't even find dry land that the county owned. It's a bad it's situation. It's a bad situation, and it's only yeah. been made worse by blind eyes and, back, and backhanded deals in Frankfurt. And I guess so the my challenge is today is, where are you, Frankfurt? Stand up, show up. Let's move on, Doug, because I'm getting uh, hot. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead to the, our uh, next story. Um, February is Black History Month, and tonight we're going to feature a story on Mr. Mineta Sleet from Orangeboro, Kentucky. Mr. Sleet was an award-winning uh, photojournalist who was very active across the country documenting the civil rights movement. He is being recognized this weekend with a number of 
of events being organized in his hometown of Owensboro. He worked for, as a photographer for Ebony over 41 years. He attended Western High School, one of the many colored schools in Owensboro, where he was the editor of the class newspaper. I use that word as a reflection of the time. He graduated with honors from Kentucky State College, now known as Kentucky State University. The kinds of things that he covered from Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech at the Lincoln Memorial, to the march from Selma to Montgomery, to the Montgomery bus boycott, he witnessed many historical moments. He may be remembered now mostly for his images of civil rights movement, but in his 41 years at Ebony Magazine, he photographed almost every aspect of the black experience in the United States. His early assignments for the Johnson Publishing Company, which owned Ebony, included photographing prison inmates on death row, a hospital in Harlem, and a beauty contest. From the very dark to the very beautiful, he shot nearly every black celebrity from the 1960s to the early 1990s and traveled widely in Africa, photographing the countries newly freed from colonial rule. This week, the Ohio River, the Ohio River town where nine-year-old Sleet first picked up a camera will celebrate his life and legacy with a festival called Through Sleet's Eyes. Monita Sleet's story is American history, and it's American history that starts in Owensboro, said Emmy Woosley, the festival chair and an MBA student at Vanderbilt University. The festival starts this coming Friday and will conclude with a 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, Saturday screening the documentary, a fine remembrance, and a performance of a one-man play called The Power of the Lens. A fine remembrance produced by Woosley and Drew Hardesty of Wonder Boy Media, explores Sleet's impact through a series of interviews with people who were his colleagues and also a visit to his Kentucky State University where he graduated. It should be an interesting production, so check it out. Warrensboro this Friday and Saturday. And by the way, don't forget to go by Moonlight Barbecue. Nima, do you have any comments on this story? No, I think it's great. You know, I, I, I mean, I love hearing all these really cool stories, uh, particularly about Black Kentuckians and just that history, because let's just be honest, Doug, we didn't really hear a whole lot of that in, in history class when, <laughs> when I was in school. So, you know, I just think it's really neat. I think this sounds like a really cool thing. I didn't know this. Um, so, you know, I would, I would just encourage everybody to kind of pay attention to this stuff because it's really, really interesting. And it's our history, you know, as much as anybody. So, yeah. And, and you said something very interesting. Uh, we didn't hear about this when we were growing up. And now it seems the inclination is to remove whatever else is left of, of yeah. that, uh, that memory that we should know more about. Which Absolutely. Is very sad. Yeah. No, this is where we are, right? Yeah. And and it's really sad. I don't, you know, history doesn't hurt my feelings, Doug. I don't know if it hurts yours, but it does make me reflect on on where we've been and where we don't want to go again. And so, and it's it's factual. You know, these things happen. And so, I just feel really bad for anybody that just wants to believe what 
we had in fourth grade, you know, uh, history. And, um, and really, it's, it really takes a lot of people just opening up their own hearts and minds. And we don't see enough of that anymore. I agree. Well, we're going to move on to our uh, next story. Uh, I'm going to talk about this past Monday, I attended the League of Women Voters of Kentucky press conference that was held in the Capitol Annex. I enjoy being a member of the League. They are non-political, but they're very progressive-minded, and they support things like the restoration of voting rights. I ran into one of our frequent visitors on Kernels of Truth, Bruce Maples. Bruce has an org called Forward Kentucky, and I recommend you check out his website at forwardky.com. Also, I met Chris Hartman. He is a fireball who is executive director of the Fairness Campaign. Their website is fairness.org. We commiserated about the Republican-controlled legislature and the direction they seem to be leading us down. At the league meeting, we heard about their efforts to encourage legislators to enact meaningful reform related to voting restoration. Here are some facts they relayed during the presentation. Previously, Governor Bashir's executive order 2019-003 had helped start the discussion about permanent voting rights restoration. There should be a robust political education campaign to inform, promote, assist, and provide resources in the restoration process. Another fact, Kentucky is only one of three states in the country that permanently bans anyone with a felony conviction from voting. Another area where we're in the bottom three to five of many areas. There, they pointed out there are 161,596 Kentuckians that remain ineligible to vote because of a felony conviction. And this is very interesting that, um, I, I don't know, I just, found it striking. 130,453 of those Kentuckians are white. The overall percentage of Kentuckians who have been barred from voting is 4.54%. Almost 5% of Kentuckians have been barred from voting. And this is the seventh highest in the nation. It seems like Kentucky is on the wrong end of many national statistics. Here's a final statistic. A recent study showed that 68% of Kentuckians support automatic restoration of voting rights. 68%. The league has made these a uh, couple recommendations, among others. They suggest that Legislators need to place a constitutional amendment on the ballot allowing Kentuckians to decide where the voting rights should be automatically restored. Presently, uh, our Kentucky Constitution states that felons cannot vote. And that Constitution was written in the late 1700s, and perhaps it needs to be updated. They also would like to, for figures to be released annually on the number of voting rights applications filed and the number approved. Last week, I attended the Kentucky Voting Rights Coalition rally 
where participants had conversations with 75 legislators, the governor's office, and the media, and we rocked the rotunda too. I know the legislators heard us in their uh, closed door sessions. I met with legislators and noted that a person doesn't consciously think, hey, I can't commit this crime because I will lose my right to vote. So it's not a deterrent. Once you serve the time, then your right to vote should be restored. It's pretty simple. Uh, Senator Brandon Storm, a Republican from Laurel County, has filed SB 164, which would restore the right to vote to nearly everyone once they've served their time. Now is the time to build support for this. And also I'll mention Representative Dutera Heron's House Bill 97, so we can rebuild, we can build a healthy democracy in Kentucky. HB 97 sets up the process for a Kentucky constitutional amendment. If you want to read more about the political efforts to expand voting rights in Kentucky, we have a great story from Forward Kentucky in the show notes, which includes an interview with League of Women Voters, Kentucky of Lexington. Our voices must be heard. Nima, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I just, you know, this has always been a weird thing for me, Doug, because I feel, I feel like that whenever you serve your time, you've served your time. And I don't understand why we always take it a step further in Kentucky. Maybe it's because we're we're just, you know, honorary. I don't know what the deal is. But this episode, this is this is another thing that just is like a no-brainer for me. You do your time, your civil rights should be reinstored, re, re, you know, uh, reinst reinstated. And so I just I I don't I don't get what this I don't get this argument at all. It just this it just looks like we're fighting over stuff that we don't need to be fighting over. It's like common sense, right? It, but when does common sense ever factor in to politics? Never. So, <laughs> yeah, I, they had several speakers at the uh, the first rally or the second rally I talked about, and several of them struck out. Uh, there was there was one man. Uh, I don't know how old he was, but he had been in jail, and he. Uh, served his time and he's now married. He's got a good job. He's bought a house. He's got two children. The children and the parents are sitting around the dinner table talking about an election coming up. And the wife said, well, she was voting for whoever it was she was voting for. The six-year-old daughter looked at her, at her father and said, well, dad, who are you voting for? He had to tell her, honey, I can't vote. He had to explain to her why he can't vote. I think he was one of them whose voting rights were restored by Governor Bashir under that 2019 executive order. We need more of that. We need more of that. Absolutely. You know, we talk about not having an engaged, you know, uh, constituency, but like some of these people just can't vote at all. Like you said, so what's the incentive for saying engaged? Uh, and I, I do wonder, and I don't know, Doug, I, I, if, if this was even mentioned, but I wonder how many of these felons were for pot charges. Because, you know, the closer that we start getting to, you know, some sort of whatever cannabis, whatever we're doing, which who knows how that's going to go this year. But, you know, we really got to start looking at the, the at the crimes as well. Like none of this makes sense. Like if I was 25 years old and got pop with a pot charge that sent me to Atlanta, you know, or in prison or whatever for a while, you know, now I'm 50 years old and I've served my time. 
I'd be kind of bitter about that kind of stuff, but. Uh, you hit the nail on the head that there, there was a discussion of that and you're absolutely correct. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. It's not a deterrent. Uh, you're taking away the rights of a person to be able to vote. They have to pay taxes. They have to do all the other things. Uh, let them vote on whether or not we want a Republican or we want a Democrat or whoever we want in office. Yeah. They should have a say. Absolutely. Well, I think we're about ready to uh, invite our guest in that we have. <laughs> Hello, Representative Wilner and Dr. Price. Hello. Hello. I'm. Uh, it's my honor now. I've just introduced the guests where we talk about another important topic. Want to welcome them. Uh, give you a little bit of background on both. And then we're going to ask them some questions. Uh, Nima can uh, ask questions also. Representative Wilner got her feet wet in the political arena while serving as a District 6 representative to the Jefferson County School Board. Later, she decided to run for the seat that long-term Representative Jim Wayne held for over 20 years. Jim has been on our show and he is a wonderful person and it's so wonderful that you were able to succeed him. Also, we have the great pleasure of having Dr. Jennifer Price, my daughter, who is a psychology professor at Georgetown College. She is foremost a teacher of young people and a strong advocate for youth, and for years has been involved with the Governor's Scholar Program. Welcome. Representative Wilner, our first question is, tell us about your House Bill 162. Would one call this one the banned conversion therapy effort? It is, and I always put air quotes around therapy because it's not therapy at all. Therapy is something that helps people, uh, and this is a really abusive treatment that does anything but. Um, and in fact, the American Psychological Association does not recognize the term conversion therapy, and they talk about it as uh, sexual orientation or gender identity change efforts. Uh, so it's a mouthful, um, but you know, I just want to dispel any notion that there's anything therapeutic about these really dangerous practices. Um, and so these are practices that have been around for a very, very long time. Uh, efforts to change someone's sexual orientation, to change someone's gender identity. Um, it's not only dangerous, as I've already mentioned, uh, but it's discredited. Even if we wanted this to work, it doesn't. Um, so what this bill would do, the bill would do three things. The first is it would uh, prevent licensed mental health providers or my licensed health providers from engaging in these practices. Um, it would require the Cabinet for Health and Family Services to create and distribute materials about the dangers of these practices. And the third thing it would do would be to uh, prohibit any public funding going to any agency that provides um, referrals or actually engages in the practices of these sexual orientation, gender identity change efforts. So let me ask a question, Representative Wilner. First of all, thank you. I know that y'all been trying to get this done for a few years now. We sure have. What what are what's the climate uh, there, the gut for this to pass? Because 
we've started seeing some, frankly, very disgusting uh, bills that are attacking our LGBTQ uh, plus uh, communities. And so I'm a little concerned that conversion therapy is just going to kind of get pushed along to the side again, because you've got these wackadoodles that have decided to fixate on issues that aren't really issues and um, are all up in people's business uh, under the guise of parent rights. And so I'm wondering, um, uh, and I'll be honest with you as a parent that offends me greatly because uh, my right to seek help for my child uh, has been taken away. If there's something that my child, my child came to me tomorrow and said that, you know, she's trans or, 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 or whatever, wants to be they, them, whatever. Uh, where are my parent rights, uh, Representative Wilner? That's what I'm asking. And I'm curious as to what's going on with the conversion therapy, because I don't see us moving forward in this. Well, you're exactly right, Nima. You're exactly right. And you're asking the right questions. And there was some question among some of the advocates. And I have to say, this bill has been supported for several years by every mental health group in the state of Kentucky. There's a new children's coalition. Kentucky Coalition for Healthy Children. It's been supported by religious groups. It's supported by, you know, a, a huge swath of uh, people in the coalition to, to ban this. And there was some discussion among advocates this year, this session about do, do we file the bill or not? Uh, and we knew these hateful bills were coming. Um, and frankly, I, I was encouraged to hold off on filing it. Um, so after the first four days of session, you know, in these these 30 day sessions, we meet for four days and then we go into a recess. Um, and in the recess, there was all this news about these horrible, really dangerous and just mean, mean spirited bills that really would seek to hurt children um, in school where they ought to be the safest. Um, and we know school is a safe haven for so, so many Kentucky kids. Um, and it, it was really, um, I was upset that we didn't have good bills out there filed yet. And so all the news stories that were coming out were only about the dangerous bills. Um, and so that was frankly painful for me. Uh, so when we came back into session, I filed that bill, you know, immediately once we were back. Um, and, but you're right, it's not going to move. Um, but I think we need a message out there and, and kids need to know, families need to know, uh, that there are teachers need to know who are trying to support our kids, that there are people in Frankfurt, elected representatives standing up for them saying that we see you, I see you, I recognize you, I recognize your family, I recognize the support that you need from government, uh, and you're not getting it in the policies that are being lifted up right now, but we are there fighting for you every single day nonetheless. And, and I, I love this. I love this because uh, because you're right. Uh, you know, as an, an activist, an advocate, I know that I'm not going to win. Uh, you know, <laughs> I might get a 5% win percentage, right? But that's not the point. The point is the fight. The point is to be there, 
to be the one that says, no, this is wrong. That's the whole point. You're going to lose more than you win. You know this, Representative Wilner. But you know what? You've got to make a stand and you've and, and you got to take the punches sometimes. And I, so I appreciate you guys for for sticking your neck out and saying, you know what, we can do better and we want to. And I would just say that Representative Wilner, your bill did just what you're saying for me because it was a bright spot. And I had a conversation with my daughter who identifies as trans and I was able to say, look, look at this bill that a legislator filed on your behalf, on our behalf. And that was important because she's very aware. Our family is very aware of all of the hateful bills that are out there. And it was so important to have at least a bright spot, even though I knew that it's not going to go anywhere. I did not tell her that part. I'll let her continue to have some optimism there for now. Um, but I think, you know, we're one family, one child, but there are lots of people who probably felt the same. So I appreciate appreciated that you filed that bill. And and let me flip that, that switch just a little bit. There are, there are families like, like ours, um, who completely support our grandchild, our granddaughter, Caspia. Uh, but then there are our children at school who have friends that are in the same situation who hear these things and they know that they're they know that the school is a safe place for them. They know that they can't express those opinions at their house for fear of, you know, whatever may happen. Mm -hmm. So even though sometimes you're banging your head against the wall, I think, I think you're doing good work. I appreciate hearing that from both of you. And Nima, you said accurately, we're there for the fight, but I'm also there for love. And that's not a word that legislators say very often, um, but I love the people I represent. I love the vulnerable Kentuckians who are counting on us to stand up for them and to do the right thing. Um, and so, you know, if, if there's a policy that's not about love, uh, we got a problem. So I, I, I just want to lift that up, that fighting is right. And we've got plenty of that, but, but, you know, that's not, that's not the only word to describe it. Well, you know, I'm sorry about that, but you know me, I'm more of a, a fighter than I am anything else, but I completely agree with that. And speaking of these bad bills, let's roll into HB 47, uh, 470, which is a real uh, flaming turd uh, and a real stain, if you ask me, on this Commonwealth. Um, it's obviously being fast-tracked uh, with little or no debate. Uh, basically, in a nutshell, uh, it's the provision of gender transition services to a person under the age of 18 years by a health care provider or mental health care provider is unethical and unprofessional conduct. It requires an investigation of any report of provision of gender transition services to a person under the age of 18. It also can revoke the provider's license if anything is confirmed that they've been doing anything uh, out, of, out of sorts with this bill. Uh, you, no person under the age of 18 can be considered to obtain gender transition services. Uh, I mean, it's very, very punitive. I'm just screw, sc you know, scrolling down. Prohibits use of public funds for gender transition services. 
prohibits a provider employed by a public agency to provide include gender uh, transition procedures. I mean, it, and, it, and it permits the attorney general to bring action on this. So I wanted kind of um, Representative Wilner and Dr. Price, I'd love to kind of hear your guys' opinion on this. I have my own, uh, but I'd like to hear what you guys think about this. And, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, reading the list of sponsors uh, on uh, and co-sponsors on that bill, uh, none of the names on there shocked me, none of them. Uh, we should probably all keep an eye out for these folks for future reference because uh, their names will come up again and again and again. This is the Liberty Freedom Caucus, uh, or as I like to call the Maddox Caucus. Um, and, you know, um, it's ugly. It, it's ugly. It's wrong. And like I said at the beginning of the show, anytime you write policy to punish anybody, it's bad policy. It's bad bills. It's bad policy. And Representative Wilner, we've seen a lot of these over the last several years, petty, punitive uh, policies that hurt Kentuckians. Um, talk about 470 and what you guys are seeing. And, and Dr. Price, please talk about what this does to kids and families. Yeah, th this bill is scary. Um, I mean, it puts healthcare decisions in the hands of people who have no knowledge of what is going on for a child. And in my opinion, healthcare decisions should be in the hands of the child, their parents, and their healthcare providers, full stop. Um, we know that rates of suicidality, depression, anxiety, all sorts of mental health issues are extraordinarily high in trans kids, trans people in general, and gender-affirming healthcare is one of the only things, really the only thing that has a positive impact on that. And so I am scared every day to live in a Commonwealth where my child cannot get appropriate health care. And as a mom, I hear you. It's right? a cruel, it's a cruel bill. It's cruel. Um, uh, yes, to everything that Dr. Price said, absolutely. Um, the other piece of this, we live in a Commonwealth with a, severe shortage of healthcare providers with a dangerously severe shortage of mental health providers. Um, and this bill criminalizes those professions. Um, it's the same way that teachers have been targeted. Uh, and Nima, I know you're an expert in that area, but this is criminalizing these, these professions that we desperately need uh, to attract and retain in our state. Um, I, you know, I think anyone looking to um, start a practice or to consider where to go to graduate school or where to apply for an internship or a residency is going to be looking at these policies very seriously. And, and it's scary. I want to read just one little uh, bullet point that just kind of stood out at me. It permits an action on a violation to be taken by the parent or guardian of a person before the person attains the age of 18 years or by the person within 30 years of the person attaining the age of 18 years with exceptions under which the time may be longer. Does that make any sense whatsoever? 
I don't even know what that means. I mean, it sounds to me like you can file a complaint against your own parents up until you're like 40 years old or something. You know, I mean, hell, how many of us? I mean, listen, Dr. Price, just be honest with us. I know your dad's here, but how many, <laughs> but how many, but how many times? You know, have you, you know, blamed him or, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, God, how many times I've blamed Sharon for everything that, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old, you know, they just ruined my life. And so, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, hell, can we all just sue our parents up until we're, you know, some years old for, you know, the ground of me for, I mean, this just this doesn't make any sense. It's, huh. it's like the government wants to be your mommy, like, and, and and I just I, I just cannot I mean I'm starting to sound like some kind of anti-government person, but like wow, you know well, this kind of government. It's okay to be against this kind yeah. of <laughs> Thank you. That's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, this is hurtful, it's dangerous. Um, you know, kids will die because of policies like this. And they'll leave. It's, and let's just be honest. I just told my daughter who's a sophomore, she'll be a sophomore next year. And I said, wherever you want to go to school, if you want to consider another state, do it. Right. And you all, I love Kentucky, like, right. but Kentucky, right. Kentucky can break my heart more than any other entity. Like Kentucky breaks my heart. And that's what's been going on in Frankfurt. Like it, it has broken my heart. And I think there's a lot of people in this state that would say, Kentucky, I, you know, I'm in an abusive relationship with my state because, you know, this is, and I'm honor, too honorary to leave. But man, I tell you what, it gets harder and harder to stay. And especially with my daughter and, you know, just, you know, these kids get it. These kids get it. And I can't wait till my daughter can vote. Right. Because they get it and they shouldn't have to clean up this mess. But here we are. We can't get our shit together, y'all. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, we're going after the wrong people. Going back to what we were talking about, Crazy Bill Wesley just filed some kind of nonsensical bill about uh, your birth certificate, right? Not being able to change the sex on your birth certificate or whatever nonsense. And again, we have people living in tents in eastern Kentucky, and we still don't have clean water in Martin County. But let's go ahead and, you know, do all this stuff. We have a teacher shortage. The bill that came out on it was junk. You know, it was nothing. It was a big nothing burger. So it's like, you know, there's some bills that have come through for education that have not been bad, but they don't do shit. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, it's like, so it's almost to the point, like, would you, you know, why are you even doing anything? One of the things that I was thinking about earlier is it confuses me that we have a bill that is trying to put the power of the child in the parents' hands, but then we have this bill that is taking the power on the child out of the parents' hands. So sort of which is it? Do you want the parent to dictate it or not? That's yeah, right. it's, that's a right. it's all, I think that's what makes me nuts, Dr. Price, is like just the duplicit nature of all of it. And like, you know, we want, it should be local control, but oh no, wait, we, we want to control that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think that's the thing. Like any normal person with any kind of like sense could look at this and be like, none of this makes sense. But then when you go there, it's like one big gaslight. I mean, you know, uh, Representative Wilner, I don't know how you walk in there and not just immediately say everything that I think is real is not real. 
It's, you know, it's, it's like, do you go into an alternate universe? Like, do you just go into this place where you're like, okay, everything that's right is really wrong? Well, no, because I have a moral core. Um, and, you know, I, I um, pay attention to that, you know, and I believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Uh, and I believe in um, social justice. And, I, you know, I have um, things that keep me grounded. Integrity? Integrity, there's that too. There's that too. But, yeah. but it can be a very um, mind-scrambling kind of a place. Um, and, you know, the rules are constantly changing. Um, it really is a little bit like being up in, you know, in the upside down. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a challenge. What, what can we do? What, what can we do as people who actually, you know, don't want kids to be bullied? Uh, what, what can we do? Dr. Price, what can we do? Representative Wilner, what can just regular Kentuckians do? What, what, what can we do besides screaming to the void? You know, I mean, what, what can we do y'all? Like, where are we going with this? We, we can love our kids. Uh, we can love one another's kids. We can organize. Um, we can show up. We can let our electeds know that we're here and that we're paying attention to these very harmful policies. Um, that that's that's what we can do. And we can most of most important, we cannot give up. We can't give up on our kids. We can't give up on each other. We can't. Um, I know. Yeah. I I admire you and I admire any legislator who is willing to fight the good fight. I know that it's, it's, it's gotta be tough. Uh, You go into a battle knowing that it's going to be a hard battle. uh, But if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. And you have to try because if you don't try, then you know, it's not good for anybody. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit or hear your thoughts on SB 150. Uh, I don't know how that one's moving along, but uh, it's another bill that is just uh, horrible. It, it, it is. It's uh, one of five parents' rights bills, again, I'm using the air quotes for anyone who's just listening, parents' rights bills uh, that really target LGBTQ kids. Um, All of these bills, including Senate Bill 150, they seem to uh, make the assumption that all all parents, uh, the ones who have rights, don't want their kids to be LGBTQ and don't want to accept that in their kids or non-binary. Um, so they may, it, they're based on some pretty flawed assumptions. I think, you know, Dr. Price knows, I mean, I'm a psychologist. I've been an advocate for mental health uh, for many, many, many years. Um, and one of the things that I believe is that to improve mental health, we, um, we go where people are. So if we want to improve the mental health of our kids, 
kids are in school, we have to have trauma-informed schools. We have to have mental health providers in schools. We need to have teachers and instructional assistants and school workers who are supported and whose needs are addressed. And, you know, we need to have psychologically healthy schools. And I, what's so hurtful to me about Senate Bill 150 and the other four similar bills is um, that the schools are being used as the battleground for these anti-LGBTQ policies. And for some families, for some politicians, uh, these points, they're just talking points. But for others, we're talking about lives. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about um, bodily integrity, we're talking about autonomy, personal agency, and we're talking about our very lives. Um, I sat in on Senate Bill 150 has been uh, gone through committee twice now because it had some internal inconsistencies, just like the ones that um, Dr. Price, you were talking about earlier. It said that parents have the rights, but then it was like, oh, it turned out only some parents had rights. Uh, and so they had to fix, you know, fix, again with the air quotes, that. Um, and, but Dr. Karen Berg, uh, who is a friend of mine, a, a very dear colleague, um, Dr. Berg's son, Henry, Bruce, Henry Berg Brousseau, lost his life by suicide uh, this past December. And Dr. Berg has spoken very passionately, um, very powerfully, very emotionally, very personally uh, about these experiences. And when the Senate Education Committee voted for the first time uh, on Senate Bill 150, Senator Berg came and stood in front of her colleagues in the committee room. And they had to look her, had had to look at her when they cast their votes to pass this bill. Um, heartless, but I've never seen courage like hers. Me either. She, she definitely is very courageous. And, and I want to comment about that, that uh, Senate Bill 150 hearing that you're talking about. I, I wrote the chairperson an email and copied our uh, copy Robert Stivers about it. They had people there who were going to speak against the bill, to speak against the bill. And before the people were able to, before we the people were able to speak, one of the uh, members of the, the committee motioned to pass the bill. And then that was second a little bit later by Robert Stivers. Before anybody who was in, against the bill had the chance to even come up and talk. And that's just not right, people. That shit is just not right. We the people, at least, at least let us speak our truth rather than just going on and voting and saying, we don't give a damn what you're going to say. It's going to happen. Well, that's the problem I think we've seen, Doug, several, for the last several years with the committee meetings in general. They're a joke. They're a farce. They, it's a total dog and pony show just for procedure. They don't care what you say. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They've already made up their mind. And this always, when they do these kind of things, I always wonder, 
if they actually have a soul and kind of feel bad and so they're hiding from themselves you know when kids do something and then they try to hide the fact that they did it from their parents like it's almost like this is what they're doing and i'm like no you're gross just admit it and own it and i'm gonna say this representative wilner i appreciate you for bringing that up about senator berg because i'm gonna tell you right now her strength and courage and her resolve uh, has been something that has been absolutely incredible. Uh, I think every parent, every mother in this state should go and rally around Senator Berg. Uh, what we saw that was done to her, not once, like you said, but twice in committee. And then for them to look her in the eye, and let's just be clear, some of them probably told her behind closed doors, I'm so sorry to hear about your son. Yeah. But you know what? That's cowardless. I mean, it's just cowardice. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's completely beneath the Senate. I mean, I was so appalled. And the fact that Thayer even tried to gaslight her over, you know, their procedures was it. it to, I'm going to be on you all. It complete. I, I've seen a lot of craziness in Frankfurt. But th this has probably broken me more than anything else because this was about basic humanity and basic compassion for a colleague. And it was like it was non-existent. And I'll say it now and I'll never forget. I'll never forgive those yes votes. I don't care who they were. I don't care who they are. I don't care if I sit down and have a drink with them. Ever, I will never forgive some of those votes, I will, as a parent, I will never forgive what they did to Karen Berg. And as a Kentuckian, it's disgusting. And we should demand better from our government, period. I'm hot. Woo! <laughs> I am. I mean, that really, I mean, it was devastating. It what was they devastating. Did to her. It, was, it was something that hit me so hard. And Dr. Price, I'm sure you felt, I mean, it was and I've said this, there's no grief like a mother's grief. None. And to just do that blatantly, shame on them. Shame on you, Max Wise. Shame on you, Thayer. Shame on you, Stivers. Shame on every single one of y'all that voted yes and sat there in silence and watched this mother cry. Shame. Shame. It's pitiful. Well, on that note, Woo! thank you all. We want to thank Preach. I'm getting hot. Yeah. <laughs> We want to thank you all, Representative Wilner and Dr. Price, for visiting with us tonight. Uh, we've learned a lot, and hopefully our viewers have learned a lot, too. Uh, keep up the good fight. We're, we're there with you on the battlegrounds. Some of us are going to be there March the 2nd for the, uh, the rally, and uh, we're going to have a big crowd, I hope. And uh, as I said, just keep up the good fight. Yeah, and I just wanted to say this, Representative Wilner, uh, AFT 120 um, opposes SB 150 in everything that it stands for and that we will uh, stand in solidarity with anybody who um, who feels the same way that we do, but we're not hiding from this issue. Uh, this is an issue that um, every educator, every parent needs to be concerned about, and we're not afraid to say that we do not support this bill. We will not harm trans children. We will not harm our trans families. And if anybody has anything to say about it, then you can bring it up with AFT members. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you all for having us both on. We appreciate it. Absolutely. 
Name Woo, that was a show, Doug. Yeah, you want to close this out? Listen, you got my dander all up now. I, I'm not sure. I can't hang out with you all too much. Yeah. <laughs> I will close us out. All right. uh, so we'll be back next week, everybody. Uh, with actually, did we have a call to act, uh, urgent? Uh, did we do our committee on committee stuff? No. Oh. Sorry, we, we forgot to do this call. If you want to call, let me say this. If you want to call and oppose these bills, the number is 1-800-372-7181. Again, that's the LRC message line. I have it stored on my phone. I suggest you guys too or memorize it. So here's the deal. The big finish, Doug. We're here. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest who will provide the kind of information you need to take action to be a part of the progressive movement that Progress Kentucky supports. Join us in this effort make change. We need it now more than ever, Kentucky. Trust us on that one. I just now lost our thing. Hang on. I'm off script, Doug. You better watch out. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can All read right. it here. You're going to read our Progress, disclaimer? Uh, Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State and organized as a 501c4. We're affiliated with the Indivisible Project of the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement. They're also proud members of Forward Kentucky Network. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Thank you, Nate, for the theme songs, and also thank you for uh, producing the show tonight. You can find more information and music at natosongs.com. If you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook, don't worry. You can rewatch shows and see our source links on Facebook. Our audio podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Logo and some graphic content provided by Couchfire Media. More information can be found at couchfiremedia.com. We hope to see you next week. Bye. See y'all.